One of the things we love to do as a family, and we don't always do it right now, but today we're going to because it's a special day, we, do, we call them God stories. Um, it's a way for us to encourage each other. When we talk about being family, uh, we like to be able to remind each other, hey, God is alive and well and active and doing cool things to help me. He's growing me, or he's, in my circumstances, he came through for me, or in a place where I was having a hard time believing. And so we're going to just do that right now. So um, if, if God has done something that you want to use to encourage us, if you want to talk about what God is doing uh, this week or any time recently, uh, this, this handsome gentleman will come around with a microphone, um, and that we can encourage each other. Don't all jump at once. It's okay. I know, you could be a little shy. Not everybody has to go. Don't worry. We're not going to force you to say anything. This is a well, chance nobody to volunteers. And then we well, yeah. No, no, we don't, we're not going to do that today. Yeah. Okay. Hi. Um, my name is Christy. Um, this was, didn't happen this week, but it's been impressing on me. Um, so Scott and I went to San Francisco about a month ago now and just got to spend time. There was about 12 of us. And um, some of you have already heard this from a couple from um, Germany, a gentleman from England, people from Florida. Michigan, um, kind of all over. Nobody was from like the West Coast except for us, but we all like for an hour, hour, I don't even know how long it was in the mornings while we were there, just spent time worshiping God and praying for each other and praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I just remember sitting there and just hearing them talk and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is just like a piece of heaven. Like all these, they said so many different just backgrounds and we that they were drawn to the Lord and just that history and their stories. But it just, um, I don't know, it just has sat with me since that I'm just getting just a little nugget of what heaven might be like. So, thanks. Hi, I'm Mary Benazi, and I have a praise. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer in her kidney. They got it out all in one piece. They didn't have to take any of the kidney. It was stage one cancer, and she was at peace through all that because she has her faith in the Lord. And I just keep telling my children and friends and everybody, it's all in God's timing. We're all in his hands, and whatever we are going through, he lets us go through those dark valleys and that, but he is always with us. Lois oh. over here. <laughs> well, here I am again, everybody. But as Glenn was saying what Jesus means to me, this morning when I got up, naturally the old devil, Lois, this is your first Easter without Bill. And I looked at Bill's picture and I said, so what? You're having such a good time in heaven. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus is my whole life. Not just one thing. And God has took me through all this that I'm strong enough to be there for other people. And I thank him for that. Amen. He is truly alive today. Amen. That's okay. We can yeah, clap. Yeah, yeah. Right, come on now. If I have my own mic, is that okay? You got it rolling. <laughs> so I just want to say that we, it's, it's so wonderful to watch God work. Um, when we just trust him to do those things, 
and we, we stop, but what about this God? What about this God? What about this God? When we have that, that faith, when we have that faith that God's going to be, that God's going to be, he's in control. And uh, it does bring a peace. And it brings strength. And uh, I just have to say, too, this family, this church family God gave us is a huge, huge blessing. I've watched everybody pull together and meet needs in this body, and it's, it's family. And that's my God story. <laughs> Praise him. Right on. Amen. Thanks for that encouragement. God is alive and well. Uh, my God story is coming up later. Uh, I get to baptize my own son. Amen. So. Oh, Cassie and Kaylee are going to read our scripture today. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who, has, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to, see, to, you, you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can sit. You can be seated. Do 
you would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you would get yeah. Okay. All right, there we go. Got the thumbs up. We didn't want a major squeal coming back in your ears. Good morning. He is risen. All right, amen, amen. He's risen indeed. You know, um, that is something we often do on Easter Sunday, you know, give the the pro and he is risen and they come back with he is risen indeed. Could you imagine, like, if we woke up every morning like that? Like, opened up the kids' doors, flipped on the light and said, he is risen, and the kids respond back, he is risen indeed. It's a great way to start the morning, right? With the idea like, hey, you've been in bed now, it's time to get up and live for Jesus, because that's what your day is all about. Amen? Hey, you know, this week, uh, Clarissa does something to me she loves to do. I, I don't like getting on the radio, um, but Clarissa says it's good for me, so uh, I do what she says, okay? So I went on the radio, and uh, Jay and I were talking and about this coming week and all the different things that were going to go on and all the gatherings that we were going to have as a church body. And he kind of primed me a little bit by saying, you know, this Sunday is kind of a big deal to you, isn't it? And I was like, are you kidding me? It's like the Super Bowl, right? And then I left that, and as I was thinking about it, I'm going, you know, the Super Bowl just doesn't even compare to what today is and, and what we celebrate I mean, the Super Bowl happens continually year after year, and, and you hope that certain new teams will make it in, but they seemingly don't, and we keep getting repeats of certain teams, and, and, and it's just like, it's kind of a letdown, right? But the beautiful thing about the resurrection of God is it happened one time in the history of the world, and it never, ever lets you down, and it never, ever leaves you empty, Amen. I mean, there's no other, no other historical event that compares to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no other devastating event. There's no other celebratory event that compares to it. None. I mean, you can think of the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki as far as the power of devastation, but the power of the resurrection far surpasses even that. You can think of V-Day and D-Day and the incredible celebrations that took across took place across the United States and the world and during those celebrations. But how many of you got together and celebrated V-Day or D-Day this year? No, it's, it's the resurrection of Christ that far surpasses that celebration. This is a really, really big deal. And the one thing I've been encouraging our body of believers every year is to look forward on your calendar Find out when Easter is going to take place, Resurrection Sunday, and just kind of plan out that week intentionally to think upon what took place in the life of Christ. You know, on, on Good Friday, we gathered in the upper room, and we just had this amazing time. And, and, and for those that attended, I want to encourage you with this. What we did was so able to be duplicated in your living rooms. And I want to give you the encouragement and the strength to do that. To gather together with other believers and come together and remember the cross, repent, pray together, sing songs together. It's absolutely beautiful. And today we gather here this morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And there's four important things that I want you to know regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One, 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ was not man-made. It was God-ordained, God-made. And that's extremely significant and important for us to know. Because we worship a holy God, a powerful God. And God leaves nothing undone. He does it perfectly. He does it amazingly. So the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is exactly what humanity needs. It is exactly what we need. The second thing I want you to understand is the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts not just the events in history from the time of his crucifixion, about A.D. 33, forward. But the resurrection goes all the way back to the beginning of time, and it's the fulfillment of all time. The promise that was made to Adam in the Garden of Eden immediately upon the fall, God said there will be a seed of the woman, of, Mer- of Eve, and, and this seed will crush the head of the serpent. And that's exactly what took place on Good Friday. And when Jesus gets up and walks out of the grave, he shows that that work is complete. God reaches back and redeems all time with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The third thing that he does is he doesn't just make it for a certain people group or or geographical location. The resurrection of Jesus Christ reaches all peoples, Chinese, Africans, Middle East, Spaniards, English, and it's definitely not just for the Americans. It's for all people. Revelations describes this beautiful scene in heaven taking place. That around the throne of God will be people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, worshiping and glorifying God. You see, the resurrection of Christ is for all people. And finally, fourthly, I just want you to understand this, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is testable. Brothers and sisters, I hope you know here that as a Christian, you don't have a mindless religion. It is testable. There is no, there's no contestation. You can look in, like that word contestation? I'm making stuff up as I go along sometimes with words. All right. But you got to understand as we look back in history, even what was read today, they had to make up a story that the tomb was empty, brothers and sisters. Nobody's denying the tomb was empty. So fact number one. Fact number two, Jesus appeared to many different people after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is not just noted in the scriptures. It's noted and notated in other historical ancient documents by Jewish rabbis, by other people during that time. Jesus appeared after his death. Fact. The other thing that shows that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave, is you and me. That almost 2,000 years later, we are still gathering together, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It isn't a myth. It isn't a false thing. We are gathering together because it really, truly happened. This isn't a nice story we believe in. This is the factual, truthful belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power that we're given because of it. So I, I'm hoping you were starting off like on a high note. I don't know. Maybe y'all fell asleep already a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's a little too much candy already this morning. Who had candy? Oh, come on. Ah, yeah, you too. Oh, lovely. Well, if they start snoring, you know where it's coming from, my kids. All right. 
this morning before we dive into the resurrection and, and, and talking about three things that I want to, for you to really understand in regards to the resurrection, I need to briefly take a step back to Good Friday and talk about things. Good Friday is one of those days, a lot of times people ask me, why do they call it Good Friday? I mean, we, we remember the death and brutal crucifixion of Jesus. How is that good? If you've ever read the Chronicles of Narnia or even seen the books, there, there's a line in the movie where, I believe it's Lucy, you know, was, was asked if, if Aslan, the lion in the book, is, is safe. And the thing about the reply that comes back from the beaver, Mr. Beaver, is no, he's not safe, but he's good. Good Friday's not safe. It'll break your heart. It can't help but as you stare upon the cross of Jesus Christ and know that he hung there for your sins because it was so necessary to take place. The brutal brutality, the incredible violence of the cross was necessary. And it was necessary because we have a holy God. You see, God is holy, and brothers and sisters, we want him to be holy. We need him to be holy. We need him to be just and righteous and good, because we are not. We're absolutely not. Where's, where's my, my volunteers? Casey and Adam, where you at? Come here, boys. Come here. You see, there, we have this problem, and the boys know I'm doing this, so I'm not just picking on them, okay? Uh, I reserve picking on for my own children. All right. We have this problem. We're born into this world sinners. We're, we're born into this world needing Jesus Christ. How many of you had to teach your kids to kick or hit their brother or sister? Right? They just naturally did that, right? This morning, guys, they came early to help out dad and be, be present and help out around here. Did you guys kind of get into it this morning, get into a little fight? Yes. Okay. And, and so what does that mean then? Who do you need because of, of that? God. That's right. You need God, right, to help you guys get along and to stay in relationship with him, right? Thank you for your honest admission and confession. Thanks, kids, right? No one had to teach them to do that, right? That's just something they struggle with. No one had to teach our kids to steal. No one had to teach our kids to lie. No one had to teach our kids the famous no, right? We all love that word. And those of you with little ones, you're going to get to experience that soon enough, all right? right? It's just, it's, it's in them. They're born completely separate from God. All of us are. And, and it's not like Grand Canyon separation where, you know, God's on the north rim and we're on the south rim. No, not, not far enough. And it's not like God's on, you know, we're on planet Earth and God's like on planet, well, Pluto, we're still up in the air on that one, aren't we? Yeah. But, you know, another planet. No, no, not far enough. And it's not like God's in, you know, we're in the Milky Way and God's in some Milky Way thousands of light years away. No, not far enough. Well, let's go to the Marvel Universe since, you know, we got Endgame coming out here pretty soon. It's not different dimensions like God's in one dimension and, and, and you know, we're in another dimension. No, not far enough. You see, it is never, ever able for man to come and be with God, ever. In fact, the only way that we can ever be in relationship with God, be close to God, is if God himself intervenes on our behalf. And that's what Good Friday is all about. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
to pour out his blood because the scriptures say that there can be no forgiveness of sins apart from the shedding of blood. So God sends his Savior, Jesus Christ, for us. He loves his son, and he sends him, and he dies upon the cross. His blood poured out for us, and he says the final words of Christ upon the cross. He says, it is finished. The work to pay the penalty for our sin so that we can become close with God. We can become family with God. It's been paid in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is in him alone that we can ever, ever hope to be near to God. And God provides the way. It's the only way it happens. And that's why we remember Good Friday year after year after year. Because we need that reminder that there's nothing we can do to earn it. It's a free gift of God to us. But brothers and sisters, folks in this room today, if Jesus doesn't get up and walk out of the grave, it doesn't mean anything. Because when Jesus gets up and he walks out of the grave, it means what Christ accomplished on the cross was complete. It was done. God's wrath has been satisfied upon the Son. And he gets up and he resurrects from the grave. And the work is complete. We need the life of Christ. We need the death of Christ. And we absolutely need the resurrection of Christ this morning. And I'm going to tell you three reasons why. The first reason why we need the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so that we understand and we get this understanding that we're now part of the family of God. He makes us and he draws us. When he gets up and walks out of the grave, his work is complete. I'm going to read a couple scripture references to you. Don't worry, I'm almost halfway through my notes. Kids, hang on, all right? First Corinthians 15, 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're guilty of your sins. Paul does something in scriptures that is pretty bold. Most anybody who knows of Apostle Paul's writings knows that Paul's a pretty bold author. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he throws, just throws down the gauntlet and he says, listen, if you want to shut me up, you prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ is false. Go for it. How many of you have done that recently? Yeah, if you can prove my faith is false, go for it. Paul throws it out there and says, if you can prove the resurrection is, is bogus, then we're the greatest to be pitied. But in three, four or five verses later, he says, ha, you can't. And I know you can't. I know you can't prove the resurrection is false. And so that we know that Jesus Christ's work is complete. Martin Lloyd joins, uh, who's a famous pastor, stated it this way. If it is not a fact that Christ literally rose from the grave, then you're still guilty before God. Your punishment has not been borne. Your sins have not been dealt with. You are, not in your, you are yet in your sins. 
It matters that much. Without the resurrection, you have no standing at all in God. Because Jesus Christ got up and walked out of the grave, we have standing before God. We have value. We are precious before God. The second thing I want you to know about the resurrection is that it means we have new life in Jesus Christ. New life. He has made us new creatures in him. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, for he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Brothers and sisters, this is so exciting because when Jesus gets up and walks out of the grave, it means for those who believe in him, we have our new creations. The Bible talks about a heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh. It means that we were once a people who had no desire to please God. We had no desire to know God. But when Jesus gets up and walks out of the grave, we're made new. And we have this heart that goes, God, not only do I want to know you, I want to please you. And we want to grow up in God. And we want to know God more and more. I needed to be reminded of this this morning. Because when I crawled out of bed this morning, I didn't wake up this excited. I woke up to... Imagine if you were like NASCAR, cars racing around inside my head, and all one car was, was the, fu- the futile things that I keep trying to do, and the other car was the guilt of things that I've done in the past, and another car was all the disappointments, and another car was all the fears, and they were running laps around my head this morning. And I had to just get out of the house and come here early and close my eyes, and fold my hands and bow my head and get before God and say, God, this day is about you. And I opened up the word of God in John chapter 8. God reminded me that I am not a slave to sin anymore. I am a new creation in God. And if you're here this morning and those, those things are running laps in your head, fear, anxiety, like all those things, guilt, all of the things of your past, and they're running laps in your head, it's time for you to know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of him, guess what? You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And those things aren't, don't have any dominion or power over you anymore. Finally, the third thing I want you to know this morning in regards to the resurrection, is the resurrection means we get to grow up in our relationship with God. We have a heart now that desires to please God. A heart now that desires to know God. And if you were to read in, in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 12, I wasn't not going to read the whole passage for you this morning. But we learn in this text that we're raised up in Christ Jesus to do the things that God has prepared for us that, that are the greater things, the better things. You know, I liken it to my kids 
And Kira's 10 years old. And Kira, the way she shows that she loves me and that she desires to be in a relationship with me is she comes and asks me like all the time, like, Dad, what can I do to help? Right? Or I tell the Kira, like, hey, there's that sock on the floor. I know it's not your sock, but would you pick it up for me? Or would you do that for me? And, and she, yes, Dad, and she goes, does it. Or she says, yeah, and she has to do five push-ups because she didn't say yes, right? Because that's the kind of dad I am. Oh, and then I got Catherine, who's a little bit older. And Catherine understands things a little bit more. And Catherine has friends at school who say inappropriate things. And she comes home, she tells us about those things, and she asks good questions because she knows that, you know, to show that love and to desire that love and, and to, to want to please us, that she wants to understand rightly how she's supposed to be with her friends. And then Elijah is older. I'm going to put Elijah on the spot here and make him blush a little bit. He's dating Ashley, right? Ashley's sitting up here with him today, and they're in a dating relationship. And so that's, that's a level up, right? And then the way Elijah shows that he, he loves and wants to please me is that he acts appropriately with Ashley in their dating relationship. He's home when he's supposed to be home, and, you know, he's got a car and a driver's license, and, 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 and he acts responsibly with those things. And he does those things because he desires to please me. And I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about he loves me. You know, my kids love me, and they, they want to show that, that love towards me by being obedient. And my son, Ethan, who this is hard for me because this is the first Easter we have spent apart since I've not been on deployment. And he's off at University of Idaho right now celebrating with other church family the Easter and um, but he calls me up, and he doesn't, he's 20 years old, he's a man. He doesn't need to ask my opinion, but he calls me up and he asks my opinion anyways because he loves me, and he's like, I want, I want that relationship with you, Dad. I want, I want that, that conversation with you. You see, when the resurrection takes place, we, we're, we're new creations in Christ Jesus, and we now have a desire to please God, to know God. And we, as we grow up in him, we learn more about him. We learn more to please him. And we have this desire within our lives, but yet we, we fall short in our walks with God. How many have perfectly obeyed God this week? Right? We fall short. And so I want to close with this. The resurrection... The beautiful thing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is it means that when Christ died upon the cross, our sins are dealt with. They're done. It is finished. And God turns to us and he says, it is finished. Your sin, your brokenness, I have taken it upon myself. It's done, it's over. Leave it behind. When Jesus heals some of the people, he turns to them and says, go and sin no more. Leave it behind. Leave your sin behind and pursue me in all aspects of your life because I want to redeem your story. I want to make a new story for your life. Your life is not your sin. Your life is not the hurts that have been done to you. Your life is not the brokenness that you have experienced all your days. Your life is being written and made new in Jesus Christ. And he says, I want to redeem you. I want to make you new. I want to give you a new story. And I don't know about you this morning, but I need a new story. Because my past tells me how bad of a screw-up I am. 
But Jesus is sitting here with the resurrection going, that's not who you are. You're a new creation in me. Go live in light of that creation and let me redeem your story. And we have stories and storylines that need to be redeemed. We have families that need to be redeemed. Men, hear me. Hear me. Men, we need to be redeemed. We need to be men who are known for standing by our families and standing by our wives and loving our wives and carry for them as Christ cared for the church. We need to be praying with our families. Men, doggone. Christy said I wouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you, guess what? God is calling us to be leaders of our families, to be praying with our families, to be leading them in prayer, to be leading them in the study of the word of God. It's on us to be leaders. And let me tell you what, if your wives are more of the spiritual head than you are in the family, it's time to rise up, man. Because that's our calling to lovingly lead as Christ loved the church. And what does Christ leave out for the church? Nothing. He lays his life down for the family of God. Family, men need to be redeemed as husbands and as fathers. And men, we need to be redeemed in the way we parent our kids. We need to be raising up a generation of children that know God, love God, and pursue God. Our kids don't need more iPads, iPhones. Our kids don't need more television time. Our kids don't, I'm sorry, they don't. They need more Jesus. And men, it's our jobs to lead them in those relationships. And I'm with you. Please don't think I'm pointing fingers at you because y'all can turn around and point the finger right back at me, Amen. But this is our job. This is our role. We need a new story, men. And you know, the beautiful thing about the resurrection is it means we can begin again today. We can start anew today. Today we can start over. Today you can say, you know what? I'm going to confess that I have not been leading like I'm supposed to. And God, redeem my story and help me lead my family. And wives, I'm not going to leave you out of this one. All right? I'm an, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Here we go. Okay. Women, we need you to see you as God sees you. We don't need you identified by what occupation you have, identified by what you see in the mirror, identified by your status in the community, identified by how well your kids are behaving. You're a child of God, treasured and valued and loved. And the way you perceive yourself needs to be redeemed. Ladies, we need you to be redeemed in, in, in the way and what you understand, how you interact with your kids and your husbands. We need you to trust God more than your husbands. My wife has to trust God more than she trusts me. She has to. And it's the only way our marriage has made almost 24 years this year. It's because she trusts God more than she trusts me. And I need her too. Kids, all you kids in the room, I'm going to offend you too. Here we go. You need Jesus. You're going to get told today a lot of you kids are dressed up looking, looking sharp, looking real sharp, okay? 
Girls, you look beautiful. And you're going to be told you're good kids. I want you to understand something. Kids, hear me. There's only one who's good, and that's Jesus. You need Jesus. And moms and dads, you got to tell them they need Jesus. And that's okay. You can tell them they're fallen, sorry sinners. It's good for them. Because if we build them up to the point where they think they don't need Jesus, they won't rely on him. They won't look to him. They need Jesus. Our schools need to be redeemed. You know what breaks my heart? I'm just going to go after it. We might as well on a roll. You know, the fact that we got all these Christian kids in schools, but there ain't any prayer going on. What the heck's going on? Why? Why isn't prayer going on in our schools? I don't need, we don't need teachers to lead prayer. Sorry, teachers, don't need to offend you. Little kids, if you see your friend hurting, if you see your friend hurting in school, you run up to him, hug him, and you say, can I pray for you? It's okay. Prayer begins with our kids going on in the school, and let, let's, let's take it place. And teachers, if you love Jesus, know something. You're going to get poured out as Jesus got poured out. You're going to suffer like Jesus suffered. If you love kids the way Jesus loves kids, it's going to be hard. And you're going to go home every day exhausted, but it'll be for his glory. And administrators in the room, if we got any administrators in the room, guess what? It's not about changing kids' behavior. It's about changing kids' hearts. Behavior change is a futile attempt if their hearts never get changed by Jesus. Ask me, I know. We keep trying to do it with our kids. Our workplaces need to be redeemed. I could go on and on and on. Singleness. Oh, you single folks, you thought we skated by this one. Guess what? I'm not done. Singleness needs to be redeemed. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, when he talks about the singleness that he so enjoys, he says it not with, like, like I need a wife. or he, He's like, you know, it's really good that I'm single. In fact, it's kind of better that I'm single because you married folks. You've got all these things that you need to take care of, like spouse and, and relationship. You need to have conversation time and date time. And, like, you need all this. I don't need that. I can just go full on for Jesus. Let me tell you something, though. Singleness is, it, just like marriage and everything else, is a time for purity. It is a time for people to not try the shoe on to see if it fits. It's a time for let, to, to let Jesus be enough. And if God provides that right person, praise be to God, it'll be beautiful, it'll be holy, and it'll be wonderful. You see, there's something important you need to know, and I'll close with this. Jesus just wasn't Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was creator God, is creator God. So I want you to think about that. Jesus is creator God. He fashioned, he formed all things. He made mankind in his image. So who do you think knows what the most abundant, most amazing life would look like. Who? Jesus, right? God, right? So if God knows what the most amazing, abundant life looks like, then why aren't we trying to discover what he wants for our lives? 
What he says about marriage, what he says about parenting, what he says about being an employee and employer, what he says about singleness, what he says about being a kid, what he says about, you know, the way we're supposed to conduct ourselves out in the world. We're supposed to look to Jesus and he informs us, which makes sense because he's the creator. He is the one that informs us of what good, pure, amazing, abundant life looks like. But I'm telling you here this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior, life is going to be pretty futile. And And I recognize that on Easter Sunday, we have a lot of people that join with us that don't normally come to church. And so I, I say this in the greatest of love. Some of you think that you're going to heaven this morning and that you're on your way to, to be with God because you, you know God or you know of God. The scriptures tell us that the The devil and his demons know God. That doesn't save you. Knowledge about God, knowledge of God does not save. The only thing that saves us is by believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord. By saying, God, I am a sinner and the only way I can have any victory over my sin, any, any hope of ever being in glory with you, is through Jesus Christ. And I surrender my life to you. It's not about walking an aisle. It's not about praying a prayer. It is about surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ for him to come and be our king. And we submit to his authority and we begin a lifelong journey with him. And if you've not done that this morning, there's a lot of people that would love to talk with you in this room, me included, Glenn, anybody up here that was on the praise team. You know, we got John on the board back there. We got a lot of people who would love to talk to you. Dave's sitting back there. Dave would love to talk with you about what it is to follow Jesus as your Savior. But I want you to be clear this morning. Just a knowledge about God isn't the golden ticket. It's a life surrendered to God. And it begins there and leads to an amazing, abundant journey in him where we get to experience the resurrection, not just once a year, but on a daily basis as God writes the story new every single day as he redeems our lives. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. It's not what we deserve. It's not what we've earned. But it's what you've freely given to us. Father God, I pray for many in this room who need a new story to begin in their life today. And I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would powerfully move in this place. You would convict our hearts. You would not 
let us alone. You would not let us remain, Father God, in our sin, in our brokenness. And Lord God, we rejoice that your grace is more than enough to forgive us of our sins. Your grace is more than enough to give us a new start. And that we can live free, free, forever we're free. And it begins by just surrendering our lives to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and by the power of the Holy Spirit.